How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. Joining us and having him back on the program, which is always a pleasure. I always learn something. I know you do as well. But like I said, take advantage of asking questions or making comments in this hour as well. Mr. Fred Redman is back in the house today, International Vice President of Human Affairs for the United Steelworkers Union, the USW. He joined them when he went to work at Reynolds Metals Company in McCook, Illinois, back in 73, and he became an active member of their local chapter 3911 almost immediately. He served as shop steward, grievance committee member, and chairman and VP. He served three terms as president of the local. More than a pleasure to have International VP of Human Affairs for the USW, Mr. Fred Redman. Mr. Redman, welcome back. Always a pleasure to have you with us, sir. Happy Monday. Well, thank you, Leslie. Happy Monday to you. I'm happy to be with you. You know, Donald Trump likes to talk about a rigged election, and perhaps he's right in a way because Donald Trump's done a lot of cheating himself, and his cheating ways actually uh, turn inward more so than outward. Uh, um, inward to him more so than outward toward Hillary Clinton or the Democrats or even the entire process, the electoral process, which he would have people and folks want to believe, correct? Oh, that's that's correct. Uh, You know, he has a history behind him that, uh, you know, where where we have seen him uh, cheat small contractors out of of their pay, uh, cheat workers out of their pay. So, you know, he definitely have a history. No question about it. Republicans have been working very hard this year, and not just this year, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and, and really if you look at the past few election cycles. Um, I, th- I think it, you know, we've seen Republicans working hard since Bill Clinton was uh, you know, up for uh, election and then re-election, but especially when Barack Obama stepped up to the plate. And they've been right. working hard to minimize rights of voters. And some of those people that are affected are some of the largest parts of our population – Seniors growing with the baby boomers, minorities growing simply simply with birth rates of Hispanics, as an example, and then young people, which are actually even bigger numbers uh, than uh, the seniors. So, you know, Republicans say they want to prevent voter fraud. They can't document the fraud exists. And yet with gerrymandering and everything else, they try to minimize the rights of seniors, minorities and young people. We see what they've done in pushing to take away uh, rights that came about with the Voting Rights Act, and we also mm-hmm. see how they want IDs from people, many of which uh, seniors or young people that may not have uh, such a photo ID to vote. And in addition, in areas where there are seniors and minorities, especially I think of Texas is one example of this, making it very, very difficult to physically get out to vote by, you know, looking at the geography and making it so far away that, you know, unless, you you know, you have somebody driving you, it's almost impossible. Right. right. Well, no, Leslie, you, you, you're right. And the thing that we have to keep in mind is this is the first uh, federal election since uh, the Supreme Court struck down uh, what we consider to be the crux of the Voting Rights Act when they arbitrarily freed nine states in the South uh, and gave them the right to change their election laws without federal approval. So, you know, during this election, uh, you know, we're going to have to be extra careful in terms of making sure that people's votes 
count. Um, and then, as you stated, uh, you know, since the Supreme Court uh, changed the Voting Rights Act to give that leeway to the people and to, to, to southern states to change their laws, which the Voting Rights Act previously called that they could not change their, call, their, their voting laws without the approval of the Justice Department. But since that time, we have seen numerous states uh, change their laws to make it tougher for people to vote with these erroneous uh, voter ID laws, which we refer to as voter suppression laws, because they um, primarily affect uh, minorities, uh, seniors in some cases. And also we've had reported cases where uh, veterans, people from the service, uh, under some of these laws was allowed not to vote. Because um, we've had, for example, in Wisconsin, the last election cycle, we've had people who were uh, that had the right to vote when they produced their um, uh, uh, Army ID card as a, you know, as a veterans, you know, their card from the um, the card that they use in order to get services from the VA. Right, the, the, ID, the ID that the VA uh, gives them. And, and obviously, although many veterans do need medical attention, what if you don't have one of those? Or Mr. Redman, I remember one time, um, uh, and it was uh, either the last or the, the presidential election prior, I was in line where I vote, and mm-hmm. um, two things happened that day I'll never forget. One was um, a man came in, and his name was not in the book, because he didn't have an address because he was homeless and he was a decorated veteran and he had his medals with him one of which was a yeah. purple heart and wow. everybody and everybody there they allowed him to vote because basically he and his shopping cart you know felt like this was you know his neighborhood and where you know and where he could vote and there were veterans there that were very adamant that this man um, be allowed to vote. A lot of people knew him in the neighborhood. His name's Jim. Wow. We all know him. You know, you see him yeah. collecting cans and bottles. And when I handed my, the lady my ID, she went, put that away. We do not need an ID. Your name is right here. This is your address. This is your voting uh, station. And she goes, you know, please go cast your ballot. You know, here it is. You know, go over there and, and vote. And- yeah, that's terrible. And then, you know, some of these very states, Leslie, we've had situations where veterans couldn't use their veteran ID cards, but we had... Uh, reports where people were able to show ID by showing their hunting licenses. So, you know, look, the trend, the electoral trend has always showed that when people vote and, and, and the voter turnout is big, Democrats win. When the voter turnout is small or low, then Republicans win. So it's definitely not to the Republicans' advantage to do what we should be doing as a country, making it easier for people to vote. So suppressing the vote is to, you know, their uh, strategic advantage to do everything they can to see to it to let people vote in this country. No question about it. Let, let's let's talk about. We were just talking about um, enacting voter ID laws. Um, they also mm-hmm. want to go further than that. There are some states that allow early voting, and they want right. to limit early voting. So let's talk about the limitations on on early voting and why that is so essential. Uh, to keep in place and to allow early voting for people throughout the uh, states that have it and, quite frankly, expand it to all 50? Well, uh, early voting is important because of people's work patterns. Uh, The last two elections, uh, you know, I voted early because on Election Day I'm generally out, uh, you know, either doing voter uh, uh, protection work or either, you know, a lot of people go out 
and uh, work as poll watchers and stuff for a particular candidate. And then a lot of people travel on their jobs. You know, they're out of town or they're out of country. Or they're out of the country. So a lot of these laws have cut the early voting times. Uh, also, what we have seen is in some of these laws, particularly in places like Ohio, where we've had Sunday voting and where there was a coordinated effort by particularly the black churches to uh, have what they call rides to the polls and take their parishioners to the polls uh, after church service on Sunday. All of that have been rolled back in a systemic effort to uh, suppress the vote. So what we have to do and what organized labor is doing in this country is we are uh, educating our members in terms of compliance you know, to make sure that they have all the information that they need to vote and also have all the information in terms of early voting and, um, you know, making sure that they understand the rules so that everybody, uh, you know, will understand what's needed in order to cast a vote in their particular states. Uh, let's talk about further restrictions on voter registration and other requirements. We have ID laws, limits on early voting, and then the latter part of that axis of evil, if you will, for voters, restrictions on voter registration. Right, right. Well, in voter registration, what's been done uh, through some of these laws in terms of voter registration is, you know, for example, uh, they have actually passed laws, let's say down in Florida, where if uh, you register somebody to vote and if the person who you registered submitted some false information, then the person who registered that person to vote can be held liable and use and lose their uh, right to vote and also be fined. So you have organizations because they've made it so stringent. You have organizations like the National Organization of Women have actually pulled their voting registration program out of the state of Florida because uh, of the rigorous laws that's been put in place that put the onus on the uh, person that's uh, uh, going around canvassing and getting people and registering people to vote because of the uh, criminal uh, prosecution that they will have for, for for people if they sign somebody up and if they put the wrong address or somebody mistakenly write down their telephone number, then under the state of Florida and the changes they made to the laws, they could actually go after that that canvasser who registered that person. That person. So every so you know it, it, it's these sort of things, Leslie, that's been done to try to discourage discourage people to vote, and we will see it in full effect in this election will be the first one because of the court challenges, uh, you know, that we've had in uh, 2014 and 2012 since the court challenges that we've had have uh, really, really, you know, put these things off. But now that the courts have ruled, uh, you know, things are going to, to really come to fruition during this election cycle. Now, we just had some uh, recent victories where we've had some uh, states such as North Carolina, Wisconsin, Texas, and North Dakota where the courts have thrown out their um, either the entire uh, uh, changes in the voting rights laws or portions of them that was very egregious. And the courts held these laws, uh, these changes in the voting laws as being everything from discriminatory, everything to, you know, not being in compliance with the voting laws in those particular states. So we've had some recent victories.
but uh, we still um, have some issues in states throughout this country that we've got to be very mindful of. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation. But we'd love for you to weigh in. Uh, We're talking about Donald Trump and he and other Republicans' claims uh, that there is just, you know, widespread corruption and fraud and problems with our voting system and completely ignoring the fact and being truly hypocritical when you look at all the Republican efforts, including Donald Trump, uh, to repress voters' rights, especially the rights of seniors, minorities, and young people. Whether you're a senior minority or a millennial, give us a buzz. We'd love to get your take on it or questions for Mr. Fred Redman, International Vice President of Human Affairs for the United Steelworkers. 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Follow the Steelworkers on Twitter at Steelworkers. Follow President Leo Gerard, USW President, at USW Blogger. And during the break, check out their website, USW.org. More after this. We're back with Mr. Fred Redman, International Vice President of Human Affairs for the United Steelworkers Union. Follow him on Twitter at Steelworkers, USW, and the President, President Leo Gerard, at USW Blogger, the website, USW.org. Uh, now, we're talking about uh, lies, we're talking about hypocrisy, and we're talking about a man who is the Republican nominee and who leads a party um, that has done so much and continues to try very hard to enact voter ID laws, limits on early voting, restrictions on voter registration, and other requirements. And uh, now Donald Trump, their presidential candidate, he claims that He'll only lose the election if Democrats cheat at the polls. It's, inter- it's interesting, Fred. Uh, Mr. Redmond, what do you think happens, God forbid, Donald Trump wins? I mean, I guess he'll just, you know, flip-flop on that uh, as well. Um, but it, And let's talk specifics. Donald Trump claimed that the city of Philadelphia and the entire state of Pennsylvania are prone to voter fraud, but there is compelling evidence that documents not only that he's wrong, but completely opposite of what he's putting out there, Correct. Oh, yeah, that's correct. Um, he must not have been told that the uh, voter ID law that was um, passed in the legislature uh, in the state of Pennsylvania in 2012 was overturned. It was struck down in 2014 because it was strongly noted that there was, in, there was uh, in fact, no documented proof that there had been in-person voter fraud throughout the state of Pennsylvania. And this is the same uh, state of Pennsylvania where the uh, GOP House leader, Mike Terza, publicly proclaimed that the new voter ID law uh, would enable Mitt Romney to carry Pennsylvania in the 2012 election. So, you know, this is um, Pennsylvania is a state where the Republican-controlled legislature did pass a voter ID law, and the House Speaker specifically said that the reason for the law was to uh, give uh, Mitt Romney an advantage. But the courts, you know, in his wisdom, uh, took a look at it and approved that there's no documented uh, cases of voter fraud in this state uh, that's anywhere significant that would justify such changes to the law. So I don't know if Mr. Trump missed that fact, or it's almost reminiscent, Leslie, of, you know, back during Jim Crow uh, uh, days in the South, how, uh, you know, when blacks was granted the right to vote, how uh, white supremacists showed up on Election Day uh, in force and intimidated blacks not to come through the polls. So it's kind of reminiscent of, uh, you know, those sort of days. And uh, Pennsylvania is a key state. And uh, it's ironic that um, a court have ruled that there's no such um, 
uh, uh, proof of in-person voter fraud in the state of Pennsylvania that he would make that sort of accusation. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation here on the only true democracy in talk radio of for and by you, the people. Mr. Fred Redman, International Vice President of Human Affairs for the USW, is our guest. And he, um, by the way, is talking about something. If you read the article in the Washington Post, Pennsylvania actually signed a stipulation agreement with lawyers for the plaintiffs, acknowledging, quote, there have been no investigations or prosecutions of in-person voter fraud in the entire state, and the parties actually do not have direct personal knowledge of any such investigations or any such prosecutions in other states. In other words, um, they, voter fraud is a non-existent problem, and they defended the law nonetheless. We'll be back after this. Don't go away. We are back with Fred Redman, International Vice President of Human Affairs from the United Steelworkers Union. Mr. Redman, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Let's take some calls. 8886-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. Listening on our stream through Spreaker, which is a part of iHeartRadio, Susie in El Paso, Texas, Line 2 joins us. Uh, Susie, question or comment for Mr. Redman? Yes, Leslie, this is a good um, this is a good topic. I want to bring everybody's attention to what I found uh, the other day in the Rolling Stone um, article. The GOP stealth war against voters. Will an anti-voter fraud program designed by one of Trump's advisors deny tens of thousands their right to vote in November? And the Carter Center, I saw this last week on Facebook, they're going to have election observers out this November. You know, you must have read my mind. You, you must have read my mind, uh, Susie. Yep. As a matter of fact, Trump called on his supporters to sign up yes. as quote poll poll watchers. One, he's calling them to sign up for a problem that does not exist. Exactly. And, and and Susie, I think you would agree. And Mr. Redman, please weigh in. Mr. Redman, isn't this just another attempt to intimidate people unlikely to vote for? him and other Republican candidates from showing up at the polls on Election Day or leaving once they get there if they feel intimidated. We saw some intimidation in, in very largely African-American districts in the, in the last presidential election as well. Well, absolutely, it's an intimidation tactic. And what we have to do is, uh, you know, remind voters because, look, I mean, when, when uh, folks show up at the polls and see you know, this sort of confusion going on, and so many people that they know are not their neighbors uh, at the voting poll, then you take the person who may have an outstanding parking ticket, right? A uh, person who, you know, may uh, have a suspended driver's license or something, okay, who is who is eligible to vote, but in a lot of these circumstances, they are intimidated because they feel as though, uh, you know, them showing up to vote, uh, you know, some other issues can be imposed upon them. So, look, we've seen this uh, trying to play before, especially in the South, during the, uh, as we went through the period of Jim Crow, how these sort of intimidation tactics in some cases had a tendency to work. So what we're trying to do is to organize labor, working with community groups and, you know, working with civil rights organizations, is to try to educate uh, our voters, you know, and, and, and trying to make sure that they exercise their franchise and go out and vote, and then also to be in compliance with any variations in the law since the last time they voted. Okay. Anything uh, else uh, for us, Susie, that you wanted yes, to share? Yes, I used to be. I was an. I used to be an election judge, but I had to give it up because mm-hmm. I have to take care of my mother. A poll watcher. I want everybody to remember this. Cannot talk to the judge. 
right. the alternate judge or the clerks. They cannot even talk to the voter. They have to sit in the corner. They can they only can absorb observe what's going on. And if they talk to a voter, they can be you know escorted out. But they have to stay in the polling place for five hours. If they get up and leave, they cannot come back. But um, I also want you to. I saw this. I I um, googled evangelical voter. Mm-hmm. Ken Burns is doing. He did a piece on it. They um, say that even an evangelical voter is a white Protestant. So it doesn't talk about all the other religions because Hillary is beating Trump by over 20 percentage points with the Catholics. The Mormons are going with Hillary. There's a lot of other religious groups, but they're, when they say evangelical um, uh, voter, they're talking about the white Protestant voters. Isn't that interesting? Ken Burns is doing a piece on it. Yeah, yeah, I saw that piece he was doing. And I th- uh, thank you, Susie, for your contribution to the program today. Mr. Redmond, any comments on that? No, I just want to thank Susie for bringing that information to our attention. Thanks. Okay, I appreciate it. Uh, let's go back to some other uh, things, and let's go back to the state of Pennsylvania. This is a, mm-hmm. um, a key swing state. Um, Hillary Clinton is leading Donald Trump uh, quite well in that state. As a matter of fact, uh, temporarily has suspended some advertising uh, in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, in the P- Philadelphia Inquirer, in their editorial section, this is what it was said, quote, Trump's intimidation tactics are a reminder of how African-Americans in the South were discouraged from voting prior to the civil rights era. New Jersey Republicans in 1981 hired off-duty police and sheriff's deputies to show up armed and in uniform in Trenton, New Jersey and in Newark, especially in the black neighborhoods because they wanted to preserve what they called ballot security. Is Donald Trump trying to take this country back to, 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 you know, a, a, pre-civil rights, pre-Jim Crow era? Well, uh, yeah, it's obvious, Leslie, because in a state that we all would admit that it's important in this election to call for, uh, you know, his voters to come out in mass in those particular neighborhoods is the way that he referred to them. Uh, it's obviously uh, nothing but a blatant intimidation tactic. I remember reading about the, in, in, in New Jersey in 1981 where some people had even painted a, uh immigration emblem on a car and, you know, parked it near the polling place that, um, you know, was very intimidating to, uh, you know, to some uh Latino voters. So, I mean, it's these sort of tactics that, you know, Susie is right about what she said in terms of how judges must position themselves in the polls, but the intimidation is outside of the polls, in the surrounding polling area, where, you know, people may feel intimidated because, you know, like I said, people who may have an outstanding parking ticket, some, you know, may feel as though, uh, you know, within this effort, you know, they may be intimidated to the point that they feel they could be picked up for their parking ticket or or, or something like that. Uh, you, you know, but these are these sort of intimidation tactics that's been tried and used, uh, as the article said, uh, in the South during the pre-civil uh, rights uh, uh, era where the civil rights, before the civil rights uh, legislation was signed. And the 81 um, situation in New Jersey is very vivid in people's memory. But because of the fact that there's no uh, voter, you know, people are, there's no evidence of people voting four or five times, as Mr. Trump had said, that this can't be nothing but an attempt to 
intimidate people from coming out and voting. Let's talk about some other things. And uh, mm-hmm. Donald Trump, we know he's short not only on details but on knowledge of certain things. And one of the things that he's maybe conveniently forgotten or had no knowledge of, that there were attempts in the state of Pennsylvania by a Republican governor and the legislature of that state to repress Pennsylvania voting. That was overturned. And that measure, so that people understand the, the, the enormity of, uh, of the, to me, this is rigging, trying to rig an election. This measure would have threatened the voting rights of some 750,000 voters, three-quarters of a million people. That's right. That's right. And the law in itself was, uh, you know, very egregious. And, I mean, even it even went to the point, because as we were fighting that law, uh, you know, when it was uh, pending and when it was being debated in the legislature, the law even went as far to say that, uh, say, people who are college students, who have historically voted in the state that they went to school, and you know they could, you know, you could set up residency in a dormitory and get a registration card to vote, you know, as long as you're a student and uh, going to school and living in a dormitory in that particular state. Uh, the Pennsylvania law would have disenfranchised college students who are away from home and outside of their state going to college. Uh, the law even said that they could only vote. And, uh, you know, the state that their uh, family reside in or the state in which they came from before they came into the state of Pennsylvania to attend school. So it was very egregious. And as you say it, the, the liberal estimates said that over 750,000 voters would have been disenfranchised. But, you know, we feel that it would have been more than that. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some other voting right victories in other states throughout our country, uh, four specifically. And we're also going to talk about uh, Donald Trump and how comfortable he is in the company of people who cheat. And if we're talking about character, it matters, right? We'll be back with Mr. Fred Redman, International Vice President of Human Affairs for the USW, right after this. And we're back with Mr. Fred Redman, International Vice President of Human Affairs for the USW. Mr. Redman, thank you for holding. Welcome back. There have been some voting rights victories recently recorded in various states. In Wisconsin, uh, a federal judge uh, struck down a blow to the Wisconsin voter ID law. In North Carolina, um, there was a federal appeals court there that struck down uh, the North Carolina voter ID provision. In Texas, a U.S. federal court ruled that Texas ID laws violated voting rights. And in North Dakota, a voter ID law, that was the latest state that had another voter ID law overturned. So try as they may, before an election, the courts just don't find these, uh, you know, perhaps I could even stretch it and say constitutional. Well, they all go against. I mean, all four of these states want to commend the court because they recognize that the intent of these laws was equivalent to a poll tax. Uh, you know, in a lot of these states, particularly in Wisconsin and North Carolina, they shut down uh, Department of Motor Vehicles in the minority uh, neighborhood. So you take a person who is poor, who, uh, you know, don't drive, don't have a driver's license, not interested in a state ID. They have their Social Security cards. They have their Medicaid cards. And those have always been sufficient for them in forms of legitimate ID. But if you take a state like Wisconsin, a person may have to pay for transportation to uh, go and apply for a state ID. 
then they would have to pay $12 for a state ID. If they're a senior citizen, they would have to pay 5 which to some people is a lot of money. And uh, so it's the equivalent of a poll tax. And I like the wording of the court uh, in North Carolina. They said that it was um, done in the African-American community with surgical precision which means that they spent a lot of time researching the number of people in African-American and low-income communities that didn't have IDs by comparing residents, uh, 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 you know, uh, people within that zip code to the number of people according to the state records, uh, the DMV's records. And uh, then in the state of Wisconsin, you know, where it was absolutely no way that you could vote under the law if you didn't have a state ID. Now a person could just walk into, according to the court, uh, they said that a person should be able to just walk in and fill out an affidavit and say that, you know, getting a state ID will cause them financial uh, harm and they couldn't afford it and they'll be allowed to vote. So when we look at the laws, they're the same thing in Texas and, and North Dakota. You know, the courts was pretty consistent in evaluating these laws and looking at the monetary, the monetary harm that it would do a lot of these people who are poor, low-income, seniors, the amount of monetary harm that it would do them in terms of travel and the expense to pay for a state ID, and um, looked at it as equivalent as a poll tax. Let's move on to Donald Trump and sure. honesty or lack of. He likes to uh, associate himself with cheaters. There was an article in USA Today, it was an exclusive mm-hmm. piece, where hundreds of people alleged that Donald Trump doesn't even pay his own bills. So how is he going to run a nation and fix That's what right. he feels is, imp- feels is improper bill p- paying on a national level that affects over 300 million uh, people? I mean, a lot of people look to think about, ooh, Trump. As a matter of fact, do you want to laugh, Mr. Redmond? I was in New York last week with my son. He's nine years of age. Mm-hmm. We were crossing the street, and I said, do you see that tall building on Fifth Avenue? And uh, because I forgot F.A.O. Schwartz closed, I was going to take him there. And um, it's just uh, like a block or two away from Donald Trump's abode and his Trump Tower. And I pointed to the uh, tower and I said to my son and I said, uh, Sebastian, do you know who lives there? And he said, who? I said, Donald Trump. And he goes, that whole building? I said, no, just, you know, a lot of the top of it. (laughs) And then and I said, that's Trump Tower. And my nine year old, you know, out of the mouth of babes said, Um, Because we had already seen Trump something, Trump something, okay? My son said, why does he have to name it after himself? Why does he have to name every every building after himself? And I just (laughs) laughed, and I was like, you know, I don't know about the base. Um, But a lot of people, I think, see Trump this and Trump that. They saw it in Atlantic City when they had the casino boom in the 80s. And we are hearing from people, contractor after contractor, Edward Friel Jr. was in the USA Today. Uh, yeah. He, he had a $400,000 contract to build the bases for slot machines, registration decks, bars, and, and other cabinets at Trump Plaza, which was a, a Harris. And his, comp- his family founded the company back in the 40s. They gave their bill, and they're still waiting for payment, and they are just one of hundreds of people who have these types of stories. Yeah, and, and look, I think Donald Trump is one of the greatest masters in this country on how to utilize the bankruptcy laws. And unfortunately, when uh, these companies go through bankruptcy, it's the small contractors who uh, are not secure creditors wound up on the bottom of the list. 
uh, he negotiate with the guarantee creditors, such as the utility companies and the taxing bodies, to accept you know uh, pennies on the dollars for the outstanding debt. And then uh, you know when you get down to the small contractors, you know they have uh, you know really really liquidated all of the assets. And uh, you know, he, he and he became a master of doing that. But you know, listening to what your son had said, which was a very good observation, you know, I was just highly, you know, it, t- it tells a lot about the the character of Donald Trump. Where this past weekend in my home city of Chicago, you know, a young lady who happened to be uh, related to a Dwayne Wade, a basketball player, was pushing a baby stroller and. You know, it's it's just a shame what's happening in Chicago with the killings in the black community. But the lady got shot and killed. And the first thing that Donald Trump tweeted was the equivalent of, I told you so. You know, um, you know, blacks going to vote for Trump. And, you know, so it shows this insensitivity. Uh, it's all about Donald Trump. And then it was ironic because an hour and a half later, he tweeted out a condolences to the family because I guess his handlers had to explain to him how insensitive his original email was. So I think one thing that we have learned about Donald Trump, now a lot of people knew, a lot of us knew throughout the years, that uh, Donald Trump have a history of being about Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, how do we expect a man to rule a sovereign nation whose only concern is him, his first priority is him, remains to be seen. It's almost a scary thought. Absolutely. Um, Let's also talk about um, not just cheating contractors and and small Mm -hmm. businesses out of money for services rendered. He also, and perhaps why he doesn't want to release his tax return, overvalues his real estate holdings on the financial disclosure forms. Then he undervalues them when it comes to paying taxes. I don't know about you, but uh, Mr. Redmond, there are some people that are probably sitting in a jail cell somewhere for doing stuff like this. This Isn't this fraud? Isn't isn't this fraudulent activity? Uh, I was getting ready to say it's called tax fraud. And, you know, the irony of this is, you know, the fact that every president over the last 40 years have submitted their tax returns. And, you know, what amazes me is they're seeing that there's not a loud enough outcry. Maybe it's coming, you know, from the American people to allow this individual to get away with not presenting his tax forms because only by looking at, regardless of the disclosure form that the candidates, you know, have to submit, and basically what the disclosure forms do is just describe your assets. But, you know, you can tell the character of a man by saying how much taxes he paid to this country, which is speculated that he do not pay any, but also to see what sort of investments he have. Is he investing money overseas? You know, do he give charitable, charitable contributions? And I think the look and see on his tax returns, these sort of issues really tell about the character of uh, Donald Trump. But as you stated, when you undervalue assets, there are people sitting in jail and people who are uh, sitting before judges throughout this country because that is called tax fraud. He also scammed students, we know, with the now-defunct Trump University. And a lot of people may not be aware. aware. We know that he loves to say, I'll sue him, or he's been sued. But mm-hmm. he's actually been involved in more than 3,500 legal action and lawsuits, <laughs> and that's in 30 years. Yeah. And, you know, one of them that um, really amazes me is one of his golf courses, uh, I think it's Mar-a-Lago down in Florida, where a group of housemaids, a group of housemaids, um, 
you know, were replaced by workers that he had hired. Um, you know, he brought them in with visas. Okay. Oh yeah. And, Apparently, and, he has his own. Yeah, he has his own yeah. uh, immigration. I think that will be the hole in the wall that he wants to build, providing that for him. Mr. Redmond, always a pleasure to have you with us. I'm sorry we ran out of time. Uh, hour just flies by when you're on. We have fun, we learn, and always a pleasure. Like I said, Mr. Fred Redmond, International Vice President of Human Affairs for the United Steelworkers Union. Follow him, uh, the Steelworkers, on Twitter at Steelworkers. Uh, also, the President Leo Gerard of the USW. Follow him at USW Blogger. Read his great pieces front page at the Huffington Post every Monday. And the website for the USW is usw.org. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time, you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery.